Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Can you believe this? Say it with your chest. Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. Welcome in and what the Pell is up here on a Tuesday morning. Probably going to be afternoon by the time this gets posted, but this is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Make sure before we get started today that you subscribe and or follow, depending on where you are listening to this podcast. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a rate and review. All you got to do, scroll to the bottom and leave that rate and review at the bottom. Pretty self-explanatory, but does take just 30 seconds and it helps us out a lot. Also, tell your friend about the pod. You got Pelicans friends, you got NBA friends, make sure you tell them about the podcast. We are growing here, I believe, in the New Orleans Pelicans, and we're trying to ride that wave. So the more you do that, really just helps us out. Everything that I just listed helps us out a lot. So we're not here to just promote the podcast. We're not here to promote my Twitter. We're here to talk some basketball. Not just Pelicans basketball, but in the meantime... The NBA champion has been crowned. Los Angeles Lakers defeating the Miami Heat in six games. LeBron getting his fourth NBA championship. Anthony Davis getting his first, obviously, after the uh, debacle in the last couple years with with Anthony Davis. He, he made it clear that he wanted out of New Orleans. He got out of New Orleans, and he won a championship thanks to uh, his partnership with LeBron and being in Los Angeles and... You know, yeah, it's, I saw a few people on Twitter were, were salty. I saw a few people saying some uh, not so nice things about AD, which, you know, depending on what they were, kind of deservedly so. Uh, and, you know, I, I kind of joined the Pelicans wagon a little bit after everything went down, but I'm, you know, I, I've said it before, I'm pretty indifferent. This is, I mean, congrats. Like, we're moving on. He might move on from the Lakers this offseason. I doubt it, but he might. He's from Chicago. There's been rumors there. So, I mean, it was a win-win situation in this trade. Pelicans got a haul for AD, and the Lakers got their championship. So, uh, and also in reference to the Pelicans and AD's time with the Pelicans, he did, he did reach out to DeMarcus Cousins after the game, FaceTimed him. And it's really too bad that these two didn't really get it. They weren't able to really put it together in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, obviously, they got the end of that first season together, didn't make the playoffs, made the playoffs the next year, but Boogie got hurt, tore his Achilles. So what could have been, we don't know, but we're happy with where we're at now, I think uh, is safe to say. So congrats, AD. You won't be getting uh, much else from us here at Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Speaking of where we're at today, I saw a tweet from, we're going to reference Angie Thomas one more time. She's she's a homie. I think she, I, I saw her tweet something about this Lakers championship motivating the young guys. 
and especially the Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball. And if this doesn't light a fire under their butts and make them want to work their tails off, I don't know what's gonna. I really, really hope they take this offseason and see that image of AD with a championship, with the championship trophy in his hands, with all the other Lakers players winning titles. And I don't want them to hold hate in their heart or, or that anger, but necessarily be driven by the fact that they were given up for AD and they won a championship. And if you've been an athlete and you've been scorned like that or you've seen people that defeated you or or whatever win championships, it really just, resentment can really build really fast and for good reason. And it can be used. And they're all young, B.I., Josh Hart, Lonzo, and you can throw Zion in there, honestly, if you want to, because he is a young guy and he can say, I want to do this on behalf of my teammates. This should really do it for him. They looked like they were having fun. Obviously, they're young guys. They looked like they were having fun this year. They looked like they learned a lot. But if there's anything to be used in your head, and as an athlete and as a competitor, I mean, we, we all saw the last, last dance. MJ said, I took that personally. I took that personally. I took that personally. He even made up stories. And if they can use this, this Lakers title to move on, to get better, to compete, if they're in practice and they're tired and they think about that and that's what gets them going, hell yeah. Sign me the frick up. Sign me up. Let's go. What's done is done. Let's do it. Let's compete. Let's win games. Let's win playoff games. Let's get a championship to New Orleans to show Jeannie Buss and the rest of the front office, Rob Palinka, that you messed up. Sure, you won a title in the short term, but in the long term, we win. We're getting victories, 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 and nothing less. So, that is all I have to say about that. Now, to move on to this this podcast that I have been referencing here and there on on Twitter and been really excited for, Andrew Lopez tweeted out this week, Pelicans are set to start interviewing finalists for the head coaching job in New Orleans at the end of this week, and interviews will go into early next week per source. So he's expecting the team to talk to three to four finalists. And the team actually ended up interviewing nine candidates before whittling down to that number. So whilst myself and a few other podcasts and, and writers have been freaking out about the, the Pels not really interviewing coaches, David Griffin really kept it close to his chest. This was information that was not leaked out easily at all. We just found all this out. So maybe in the in the process of keeping things quiet, they had actually started interviews and Woj got some bad information. Who who really knows? Maybe this all just happened in the last week or, or last few days. Who really knows? This is just, this is the most quiet 
a team has been, I think, in reference to all the teams that are hiring. Obviously, the Bulls already hired Billy Donovan. The Sixers already hired Doc Rivers. It's been pretty clear that Clippers, their biggest name is Ty Lue, and that now it's pretty clear that the Pelicans' biggest name is Ty Lue. Pacers have interviewed 20 different guys. So forgive me if I'm forgetting another team, but man, Pels have been extremely, extremely quiet. So in reference to some of the more things that we've talked about on this podcast is the few coaching candidates along the way that that we really like, and, and that's been Ty Lue, Kenny Atkinson, Sam Cassell, and Jerry Stackhouse for the majority of this time. Now, recently on the Hoop Collective podcast, this was this last week, Ali Cosell, which by the way, Ollie, editor-in-chief at The Bird Rights, he was on this podcast last week. If you missed it, go check it out. Ollie's the man. Really fun stuff. We're going to try to get him on more regularly because uh, he's he's awesome. And that was our second most ever listened podcast, and for good reason. So once this one's done, go check that one out. Anyway, Ollie put together an article on this podcast this week where Brian Windhorst, Mark Spears, and Tim McMahon talked about two lesser-known candidates that could be in the running for the Pelicans job. He put that article together on the bird rights and I'll put that link in there. So uh, some good amount of this information that I'm sharing with you today is, is from that article. I've also done a lot of other research, listened to podcasts and we got a lot of information here on these two candidates. This episode specifically is about the first one and one who has some connections to Pelicans front office members. And that is Will Weaver. Will Weaver is the current head coach of the Sydney Kings in the NBL, the National Basketball League, which is Sydney, obviously Australia. But in his basketball career, we'll we'll start at the beginning and and we'll eventually get to all these connections here. So Will Weaver, if you haven't heard the name, started off his, his coaching career as a grad assistant and special assistant with Texas under Rick Barnes. So on that staff, that coached DJ Augustine and Kevin Durant at UT. Then he went on to be an assistant coach at Sam Houston State. He also went on to be influenced by guys like Sam Hinkie and Brett Brown in Philadelphia as the video coordinator with the 76ers. This was following his tenure at Sam Houston State. He and Sam Hinkie got to know each other because Sam was in Houston at the time with the Rockets. Then he was also with the Nets as the G League affiliate head coach in Long Island. He was also on staff with Kenny Atkinson. And he was there when Trajan Langdon was in Brooklyn. So got some connections there. So in 2018-2019, actually that Long Island Nets team went 34-16, and ultimately lost to the Rio Grande in the G League Finals. Weaver earned G League Coach of the Year honors, while Langdon was named G League Executive of the Year. So some clear, clear connections there in, uh, in Brooklyn for Will Weaver. Windhorst also actually said that he could be in the running for an assistant position, not just the head coaching position. So if we're going to go over his career, Will Weaver has done a lot in basketball. He's been coaching since 2006, so not necessarily the longest tenured guy in basketball coaching, but he is kind of known as as a new mind. He will be in the NBA one way or another, whether or not he's an assistant or a head coach is is to be seen but for coming up here he could very well be like i said the next young mind that changes the league he is very innovative he's known as being on the cusp of change and in terms of where he could be with the pelicans 
I mean, there's a lot of coaches around the NBA that have connections to the Pels, connections to David Griffin and Trajan Langdon. Will Weaver has a lot, especially with Langdon, and he could definitely be an option. Like I said, not maybe not as assistant coach or maybe not as head coach, but at the very least an assistant. And we'll talk about those options here at the bottom of the show. But to go over Will Weaver's career, we're going to start talking about his more notable positions. Like I said, at Texas, he coached Kevin Durant and DJ Augustine as a grad assistant and a special assistant. And he had that tenure with Sam Hinkie, Brett Brown, and the Philadelphia 76ers. And we'll talk about that a little bit more about that G League Brooklyn affiliate as well. But for Sydney, a lot of people really don't know a lot about Will Weaver. I mean, I didn't know the name really until this this offseason or this hiatus that we had between the the regular season and the bubble this year in the NBA, but coach the NBL Sydney Kings, which this team was the runner up last year in the NBL finals. Best. They had the best regular season record in the NBL as well. And you're probably going to recognize the Sydney Kings name, whether or not, you know, Will Weaver or not because of DD Luzada, who was drafted in the second round of last year's NBA draft. The Pels grabbed him and sent him specifically to the NBL and the Sydney Kings as a draft and stash guy. Sent him to the Kings specifically to be coached by Weaver because Weaver is known as an offensive mind. He's known as a development guy. And in the process, Weaver's been working with New Orleans to develop Didi. And Didi's going to be heading back, whether or not that has a factor in if the Pels decide to hire Weaver, I'm not sure, but he's been working with the Pelicans already. So not only does he have the connections to Langdon, but he also has been working with David Griffin and the coaching staff that was already there in terms of development for D.D. Luzada because Griffin, we've heard it, absolutely loves Luzada. So Weaver has connections with the team right at this very moment, not just in previous stops with Brooklyn, like like Trajan Langdon. So as I mentioned a little bit ago, pretty briefly, Weaver is widely considered to take a modern approach to coaching basketball. Sydney Kings owner Paul Smith called him, quote, a coding edge coach with a focus on player development after his hiring. So in an appearance also on, I listened to the entirety of this podcast And I've got some other quotes from it here as well. Basketball Immersion Podcast, which is a coaching podcast. Weaver basically elaborated on what being, quote, modern means to him. So he says, coaches bear more responsibility and get more credit and get more blame and can sometimes slip into that role if you thought of it as a play. So this is talking about the emphasis of coaches in today's league. He said, I think that more and more as an industry, we're distancing ourselves from that. That's a good thing. It's hard to be an actor and a teacher and a mentor and a good colleague. So what Weaver is saying there is that, and he's made this clear throughout this podcast as well, very much a player-focused head coach. He wants to put the spotlight on the players. He basically doesn't want people to know <laughs> that he exists in a way. Like He will, he will take the, the blame for, for things and he will recognize when he's done things wrong, but he really wants to put the spotlight on the players. He mentioned in one of these podcasts where he was asked about the Steve Nash hiring and Kyrie's thoughts on uh, sharing the coaching position. And Weaver kind of went into detail saying that he wants to put the reins in the hands of the players because 
players will see things differently than he sees things on the sideline because they're in the game. He's he's going to give Brandon Ingram the opportunity to lead. He's going to give Zion the opportunity to lead by letting them say, look, here's what I'm seeing. I think this is what we should do. And with even veterans like J.J. Redick, that could go a long, long way, I'm, I'm sure, even though Weaver's not necessarily super proven in the NBA. Also, this is a different podcast that I listened to called the Wingspan Podcast. He talked about wanting to transition the Kings to being the most modern and player-focused program on the continent in any sport. So this is in Australia. He wants to be the most modern and forward-focused team in any sport. And he also brought practices from the NBA and from the G League to the NBL. So Weaver is not afraid to say, I want to be at the cutting edge of the sport. I want to be at the forefront in terms of innovation, in terms of what we can learn from smaller leagues even, and taking things from the bigger leagues like NBA and like the like the G League and, and moving forward and winning games and being efficient and recognizing the advantages of analytics. No, he doesn't say that outright, but that's basically what what a lot of the new age stuff is. And that could be really good. That could be really good. And I mean, Weaver's like I said, really known as an offensive guy. I don't know that I said that actually. So there he's going to be great. And he's well prepared to continue to innovate and continue to learn and continue to bring new concepts to the NBA. So the other thing that I really like about Weaver that reminds me of Billy Donovan is when asked about what determines his style of play, whether it's what he brings to the table or what his players bring to the table. So to elaborate on that, it's whether or not he comes in with a system and says, players, you have to fit this system. Or he takes a look at the roster and says, I know what you're good at. I know what you're good at. I know what you're good at. I'm prepared to switch to something different in order to make us better, in order to fit what you are good at. And to to reference his quote directly when he was asked about this on the basketball immersion podcast weaver said basically what i just said <laughs> it's based on who the roster who who's on the roster and i said this when we were talking about billy donovan is that he changed his system every single year not every single year but he changed his system based on who was on his roster and i love that i love that i love the ability to shift and change and to adjust because all of the great coaches throughout every single league have been able to adjust based on what's in front of them. And do I know what his rotations look like? No, I don't. But I'd like to think that based on that willingness to adjust, that he's also willing to adjust in-game based on what he's taught his players, based on what the players know, and based on what he can teach them. So there's, I mean, there's a clear example here in that in on this podcast, uh, in reference to what he does with these players and how he adjusts based on who they are. So he had Andrew Bogut on his team in the NBL, believe it or not. Andrew Bogut, originally an Australian and finished his basketball career. More than likely it's done. Finished his basketball career in his home country. So he said on this podcast that there's a clear way to play defensively that suits your players' talents. Made reference to using Andrew Bogut, basically saying that he's not going to blitz or step out on 
uh, to help, that he's going to really be a rim protector. So his quote, not verbatim, but I'm paraphrasing here, is that there's not really a hundred styles that work, but there's enough styles in coaching that starting with the players is better. So how do they look good? Who's done a good job with helping them look good in the past? So he'll go back and watch tape. He's a he's a tape nut, apparently, being that he was a video coordinator in Philadelphia. So he will go back and watch tape and see who's done the best in their career with what system and see if he can fit it to the entirety of a current roster. So what he says is that you start with the guys you know are going to play 80 to 90 percent of the game and make sure the other guys, role players, the Frank Jacksons, the guys who who play but don't play a ton, Make sure the other guys are put in position around that to be successful. So you're also focusing on what players are good at rather than what their weaknesses are, which I like to a degree. There are issues there, but in reference to those weaknesses, in reference to those issues, we'll talk about that here in a second. But Weaver, basically his stance on style of play and and how to go about integrating that is that his job is to help show those off his job is to help show strengths off of his best player and really exploit the opposing team based on those strengths so really like that from from weaver he's very very success focused and and conscious of making his team better based on what they're already good at now i said i'm a little bit Eh, on on not focusing on weaknesses because I think I mean you just you gotta get you gotta get better like <laughs> in the NBA I mean you gotta focus on Zion's and Jackson Hayes's defense because it's god awful but here's the thing is that in this same podcast this basketball immersion podcast Weaver went on to talk about individual development and what does it actually mean at the NBA level, not at any other level, but what it looks like at the NBA level. And Weaver went on to reference where he's at or what he's done with the Brooklyn Nets in the past or what he's seen with the Brooklyn Nets. So what they go for is holistic development. And that's going to be like basically what happened in, in Brooklyn in Kenny Atkinson and this team was known for their development. So this is huge. And Jock Vaughn would work with Karis LeVert, and, and that pairing's time is going to look a lot different than when Brett Bielmeyer and Jarrett Allen worked together, or Spencer Dinwiddie and another assistant coach. So basically, they have specific either position coaches or, or specific area coaches like Fred Vinson, who worked with Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball a lot this year, is those coaches will work with these specific players and engage fully with those players. And in this podcast, basically what they talk about is what is your potential? What is your quote? What what Weaver likes to reference is North Star. Where do you think you can get to? And they focus on those things. And based on those relationships, those coaches tend to get pretty close with each other. And, and Weaver talked a lot about how he learned from Brett Brown, how he learned from Kenny Atkinson uh, and, and these take what he's taken away from all these coaching stops. And one big thing that he really took away in this individual development piece with Kenny Atkinson and that staff in Brooklyn is that with these relationships, what happens is they become accountable. 
And this was just like, I was listening to the podcast and <laughs> you know that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio where he sits up on the couch and points at the TV? That's what I was doing with the podcast is I was like, accountability, <laughs> accountability. I was really big on that. And, and that's been a big focus for us here in the coaching search for the New Orleans Pelicans. So what happens with these relationships is that, say, Jock Vaughn and Karis LeVert are working together and Karis says that, or, or Jock notices in-game that Karis is taking like a specific inefficient shot a lot and he's not making it. And Jock can work with Karis and say, look, this is stupid. What are you doing? This is not necessary. This doesn't help the team. You need to put your ego to the side and not do it. Not that Karis is an egotistical guy, but that's the type of the relationship that these assistant coaches can build with specific players. So it's very much individual development that leads to team development, that leads to team success, that leads to team cohesiveness. And, and this would be really, 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 really good for a lot of these young guys. Brandon Ingram's getting in work with his trainer. You know, these other guys are getting in work with, with their trainers as well. We've seen Zion's skinny again. I'm not banking on that, but I like this a lot. This can make this, this can really do a lot with Jackson Hayes and with Nikhil Alexander Walker. We haven't seen much from them this year that, you know, was super encouraging. A lot of people have said, oh, I should have taken Brandon Clark or oh, I should have taken whoever. And it's been a year. Like, obviously, there are certain players that fell and there are certain players that did really well after falling in the draft, Bull Bull, <laughs> in his brief stint in the bubble. And Tyler Hero is another big one that the Pels could have had in this last year's draft. But what are you going to do? Anyway, that type of individual development is more than likely not something that Nikhil, that Jackson Hayes have had. And Lonzo could really benefit from that. B.I. could continue to benefit from that. Zion could really benefit from that, especially defensively. So I really, I really like a lot of the things that Weaver brings to the table. Now, one thing that I did reference when we first started talking about Weaver was the likelihood that he would more probably he would probably fit better in assistant coach position rather than a head coaching position at least initially because he hasn't been a head coach before in, in the NBA or he hasn't really he's been an assistant in the NBA but not a high level assistant and I think that should he come to the NBA and should he be on the staff in New Orleans which again ton of connections love that been working with the front office in terms of development for Didi Lozada. He's worked with Trajan Langdon, and he and Trajan Langdon got along really well in Brooklyn. Runners up in the NBA G League, runners up in the NBL, which he didn't work with Trajan there. But I, I really like Weaver coming in. Here's what I like the most. I like the Pelicans hiring Kenny Atkinson, making him their top guy, and bringing in Weaver as an assistant. Whether he's associate head coach or whether they bring back Chris Finch for that position, I just want Weaver on the staff, if I'm going to be honest. I think he would be phenomenal as an assistant head coach, maybe ultimately a head coach elsewhere in the NBA. Hopefully the Pels don't let him get away in a situation like that unless they're doing really well with Kenny Atkinson. Should all of this come to fruition, we're speaking with a lot of speculation like we have been all offseason, but 
I think that's the best fit. We've talked about it a lot, a lot about the head coaching position, Atkinson, Cassell, Jerry Stackhouse, Ty Lue. Even if they bring bring in Ty Lue, Stackhouse, Cassell, I'd really love for them to go out and say, Weaver, we really like you. This was going to be a better fit for our head coaching position, but we really like what you've done in the NBL. We really like the innovation you bring. We really like what you did in Brooklyn. Come join us. We want you to be a part of our staff. I'd be pretty damn surprised if they brought in Kenny Atkinson and didn't do that. Let's say that. And on top of all this, we heard, I'm going to reference it really quick because I really honestly just don't want to give it time, uh, any time on this podcast unless, unless it happens, which I will cry if it happens. But Jason Kidd has been brought up again as a possible head coach for the Pelicans. Kind of dwindled down there for a little while. People are like, uh, but now his name's being brought up a lot. Andrew Lopez said it on a radio station in New Orleans this last week or this week or recently. Will Weaver's a good dude. Jason Kidd has been in a trouble a lot with domestic violence, and he's just an asshole. And Will Weaver is a good guy. Will Weaver is a good dude who clearly loves the game of basketball, willing to move to Australia in order to coach and take that awesome coaching position to come back, probably ultimately to coach in the NBA. Will Weaver is a good human being. He's done a lot of really good things throughout the league. He's learned a lot. Not I mean, He talked about this on all these podcasts. He talks about being a father, uh, a role model in terms of fatherhood with having your your kids at practice and and being around the players and being around them in terms of relationship rather than just basketball. Weaver's a good dude. And for anything, I will take him over Jason Kidd for a lot of reasons, but that's a big one. We can't forget this roster is so young. And if we're talking about building a culture, bring in good people. Don't bring in Jason Kidd for God's sake. Good Lord. And Weaver, in terms of innovation and what he brings to a basketball team, if you want to go the offensive route still, even though Alvin Gentry was clearly that, Will Weaver knows what he's doing enough defensively and it clearly wants to work on that and knows what he can bring in terms of style. He's not the greatest defensive mind that's available. But what I'm getting at here is that offensively, being that he's on the cutting edge and wants to innovate, if you want to go offense, bring in him instead of D'Antoni, because D'Antoni is going to be the same damn thing Gentry was, maybe to a little bit better of a level because he's just been such an offensive mind for so long comparatively to Gentry, even though they're both pretty old. But if you want to go offense, bring in Weaver. I would rather go with the unknown and the clear upside that Weaver is as opposed to D'Antoni. Again, my ideal in a situation like bringing Weaver in is Kenny Atkinson at the head coach position. Weaver may be an associate head coach. I like that a lot. They've worked together. They've had a bunch of different experiences. There's a lot to be learned. And and Kenny Atkinson can bring structure, like a lot of structure. We talked about that individual development. And Weaver has that too. But Weaver can also bring that innovation to add to the structure. It would be awesome. I think they'd be incredibly complementary to each other. And this is a huge diversity of ideas. We love diversity ideas here. Believe in New Orleans Pelicans. Love it. 
Pels fans, another name that was brought up fairly recently was Jamal Mosley. I'm not going to go into that too much today. We'll hear soon. And again, I don't think I'm going to dive into it a lot when it does get brought up because I don't know that he is necessarily what the Pels are looking for. He's he's an assistant with the Dallas Mavericks, been under Rick Carlisle for six years, I think. He was a defensive guy in Dallas, too, and that... I think we all know how awful the Dallas defense was this last year. What they said on the podcast was that <clears throat> he was trying to make chicken salad out of chicken feathers or something like that with that defense, and fair enough. But Jamal Mosley's known as a guy who is very respected throughout the league, garners respect when he walks into a locker room. And the quote from, I think it was from Tim McMahon, or yeah, it was from Tim McMahon, was that... One thing about Mosley, he can command respect in a room, and he's one of the few assistant coaches who, if it's a back alley brawl with NBA players, I'm going to bet on him 95% of the time. So there's that. I'm going to do some more research, and and we'll reference these these things again here on, on a coming podcast. And maybe I'll do a podcast on why Jason Kidd's a horrible fit, but... One way or another, we'll be getting you that Mosley content. That'll probably be up tomorrow. Posting this around probably 12, this today's podcast around 1230 noon. But tomorrow's podcast will be up at 5 a.m. like it typically is for you early birds. Anyway, this was fun. Again, Will Weaver's really growing on me. And and I hopefully you, you understand why after today's podcast. And we're going to try to work out getting an NBL specialist or a Sydney Kings writer or podcaster on the podcast to talk a little bit about Weaver here soon, assuming the Pels don't hire a head coach within the next few days. <clears throat> We've heard that the hiring could happen within a, a week or, or two. Hopefully it does sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, we got content for you folks. And once that coach gets hired, we will uh, really, really dive into that. That'll be fun. So folks, thanks for tuning in today. Make sure before you go, go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Go Subscribe and or follow depending on where you are listening to this very podcast. Leave a rate and review Do it on Apple Podcasts if you're listening over there. Go check out Believe.com. You can listen to every single Believe affiliate that we have on any single platform that you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. So you can check it out there. Also, go check out the Bird Rights Dot com. You're going to be getting articles from myself, David Grubb, Preston Ellis, Ali Cosell, Chris Connor, Kevin Berrios, and all the other The Bird Rights crew. Again, before you go, go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter and leave that rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in today. Come back tomorrow. Go Pels. I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.